0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up earlier today, Republican leaders held press conferences on Capitol Hill to say they had had enough of Speaker Pelosi's authoritarian rule.
2: Nancy Pelosi's authoritarian reign must come to an end. Enough is enough.
1: I was Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss, a member of the House Freedom Caucus. Has Speaker Pelosi's extreme measures pushed Republicans to a point of action? Well, we'll be joined by the vice chairman of the House Republican Conference and a member of the House Judiciary Committee, Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. And is the Biden administration colluding with social media giants to silence conservative dissent?
3: In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation.
1: That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki earlier this month. This collusion has gained the attention of lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, along with several of his Republican colleagues, spearheaded a letter to the Biden administration sounding the alarm over this potential violation of the First Amendment. Also, China's Belt and Road Initiative. What is it and why is it a problem? Frank Affney, founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy, is here with those answers. And members of the House Freedom Caucus attempted to hold a press conference at the Department of Justice here in D.C. earlier this week to get answers on those who were arrested at the January 6th Capitol riot and are still being held in jail. Texas Congressman Louie Gohmert was there, and he joins us later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of GAB, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right, before I uh, get too far in the program, let me give the results from yesterday's uh, poll question. Thank you for participating. had a lot of folks participating in it. And guess what? The results were 100%. Here's the question. Uh, results. Do you believe taking COVID vaccine should be mandatory, or should be or should take uh, should taking the vaccine be a personal choice? 100% said it should be a personal choice. Not surprised with my listening audience. Thank you so much for participating. All right. The website tonyperkins.com. Again, let me encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. It is. Uh, a way that you can stay in touch with us and get action items and alerts so that you can take action, download the Stand Firm app at the App Store. Yesterday, for the first time since 1973, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to pass a State Department and Foreign Assistance Spending Bill without the Helms Amendment, which is a provision that blocks U.S. funding for abortions overseas. The appropriations package also included a permanent repeal of the measure which prohibits u.s funding for organizations that provide access to promote or provide information about abortions the full spending bill passed by a vote of 217 to 212 with three democrats voting no with me now to talk about this and more from capitol hill is congressman mike johnson he serves as the vice chair of the house republican conference And as a member of the House Judiciary Committee, he represents the 4th Congressional District of my home state of Louisiana. Mike, welcome back to the program.
4: Hey, Tony. Great to be with you, as always.
1: All right, let's start. I want to get into some of the the press conferences and the the calling out of Nancy Pelosi uh, on Capitol Hill for some of the draconian actions that she is taking. But first, uh, let's talk about the appropriations bill. We see some, I mean, this is historic where we see the Democrats pushing forward with abortion funding.
4: They do. You know, when I ran for Congress for the first time, Tony, I committed among my top priorities to do what we had done for 20 years before we got here, and that is defend the sanctity of every human life in every humanly way possible here, and also to be a good steward of limited taxpayer funding. And these giant, bloated minibus, omnibus, whatever you want to call these appropriations bills— do neither of those two things. And so that's why the Republicans and the conservatives in Congress are banded together to oppose this stuff. This is a historic thing, as you said. We've removed the Hyde protections that have saved, by some estimates, at least 2.5 million lives of unborn children just uh, since the early 70s, when we first enacted that. And it's been a part of, part of our law ever since. It's been a bipartisan compromise that we've always agreed upon at the end of the day. but. For this time, and this this year, for the first time ever, the Democrats have banded together to get rid of that, and it is a tragic development in our national law.
1: In fact, this was one of the topics that came up uh, at the press conference on the uh, the rally, however you describe it, on uh, the steps of the Capitol. Our fellow Louisiana and Steve Scalise spoke to this. Play clip number four, please. I see. Do we have clip four?
2: Do you know that if you're in Mexico as an American citizen and you want to come back home, according to the CDC, you cannot even board the plane to come back to America as an American citizen unless you produce a COVID negative test. That's the law. Yet if you come across our border illegally bragging that you have COVID, you're welcomed in. What kind of law and policy is that by the Biden administration? It makes absolutely no sense, and people are figuring this
0: out.
1: Well, that was not the clip that uh, I pulled the wrong (laughs) clip, but uh, that was another topic that was discussed. Uh, That is really at the heart of what is happening on Capitol Hill with with the Biden administration, Nancy Pelosi, taking full advantage of the uh, COVID virus. You led an effort by... Uh, your Republican colleagues to challenge this proxy voting that continues to this day.
4: Yeah, there's so many crises, Tony, it's easy to get lost in all of them. We've had a number of press conferences in the last few days just covering the the Biden crisis with the border, as Steve Scalise was just talking about there. I was standing right over his shoulder at that press conference this morning, nodding vigorously. We all were. You're talking about the crime crisis that's going on in the country, the inflation crisis, uh, so many things that that we can hardly keep track of. They just, as we said, uh, voted to fund taxpayer funding of abortion for the first time in our history. And, and, and now, you know, you're talking about the processes that they've done. Unprecedented things here. Nancy Pelosi is acting in a very authoritarian manner. They enacted proxy voting, which is blatantly on its face unconstitutional. We challenged it in the courts. It's on its way through the appellate process to the U.S. Supreme Court. We've made the argument that much of what's been done has been done unlawfully, because the Constitution uses specific language about how the elected representatives of the people are supposed to be here to gather together to do the important work of this self-governing republic. And when they're not here, when they're literally phoning their votes in... It doesn't work the right way. And that's why I think in some ways you're allowed to get a, a, away with a lot of this.
1: Well, and and I've been kind of on this issue. And so I'm going to stay on this issue because I think this is a significant issue when you I think now that she has about three, vo- a three vote margin in terms of the majority. Yes. So that's right. and, and, and in Congress, historically, if you're not there, you can't vote. And so you have to get all of your people there. And if you've got a piece of bad legislation. Uh, you've got to really work hard to get it passed. And so if she had three people who were sick or three people who were out doing something else, she wouldn't be able to pass it. But she continues this proxy voting now for over a year saying, oh, well, we have to have it because of, uh, of COVID. While some of these members of Congress, I think, I think there's about, uh, it's less than a dozen that haven't been there at all, but you've got some that haven't even shown back up how can they be doing the work of the people? Others you've got going out doing fundraisers, but they're phoning in their votes.
4: No, you're making a very critical point, Tony, because the effect of this policy is it actually gives her a much broader margin than she actually has on paper. And and the reason for that is there's a lot of conservative constitutional conservatives in the Congress who have vowed not to vote by proxy. I'm one of them. Of course, we're not going to engage in an unconstitutional vote. And so you have a, a, a swath of the Republican Party that is not participating. And so if we get detained in traffic or we get uh, quarantined because of exposure to COVID or what have you, we literally cannot be here. And so our vote cannot count. Whereas on the other side of the aisle, the Democrats, they can gather up as many proxy votes as they need and present them every single time. So it's it's one of the ways that they have been able to advance this radical leftist agenda on the country. And and again, we're arguing very simply they're doing it in an unconstitutional manner. It may be a footnote in history, but it's a very, very important
1: issue. Well, it's it's an extremely important issue when you see yeah. the types of measures that are being passed, like what we're just talking about here, appropriations bills going forward for the first time in 44 years, without the Hyde and Helms amendments on them that restrict taxpayer money going to fund abortion. Hasn't happened since Hyde. It's now happening, and it's in large part, I would say, because you have the proxy voting that Pelosi has in place.
4: I think that's right. And and not to mention the the bloated numbers on these appropriations bills. They're increasing federal funding of many of the departments of the federal uh, agencies and, and, and departments by 30%, 40% each. I mean, remember, we have a over a $28.5 trillion federal debt. I encourage your listeners, your viewers, to pull up U.S. debt clock on their smartphone real quick and look at that. It'll give you real heartburn. But, but our colleagues here on the other side of the aisle, these radical socialist Democrats— they don't care a, a, a whit about the federal debt. In fact, no. they've all subscribed to modern monetary theory. They say, just say, print more money and we'll go further in debt. There's no imp, there's no impact for that. No. But, of course, we see the reality. Those are fantasy economics. We live in the real world. Well, we see inflation going up. Exactly. Highest in 20 years, on and on and on.
1: Exactly. Prices going up, inflation, uh, the real what, – what gains were made – we talked about this yesterday with Kevin Brady – the real gains that have been made for families in terms of real spending power – has been eaten away by this administration in just six months.
4: That's exactly right. And there's no end in sight, by the way. I mean, remember, our our, our number one creditor, our foreign adversary, is China. And so we're, we're getting ourselves further and further into debt. We're digging a hole so deep that our children and grandchildren may not be able to get out of it if we don't reverse course immediately. But this administration and this Democrat majority is all in, my friend. I mean, they are, you've seen their proposals are in, in trillions. We used to never even use that word yeah. on Capitol Hill. And, and now they just use it like they're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah,
1: you Four get, trillion
4: here, three trillion there. It goes you on got to on get
1: new on. calculators so you can make those numbers work. Uh, I want to shift gears real quickly in our, a couple minutes we've got left here because you're on the House Judiciary Committee, the Department of Justice, warning states that are engaging in audits of the election results, saying we're watching you and you could be violating the federal law. Is the Department of Justice intimidating states?
4: It sure feels that way, and we have oversight over that department. The, the Department of Justice has overstepped its bounds in many ways in, in, in the, this year. But I'll tell you, look, we, if our system is set up so that the states have the authority over their elections. They're, they're, they're charged with ensuring, above all, that you have a fair and free election, that, that election security is ensured for the people. If we don't have that in a, in a constitutional republic— We don't have anything. And so we are we are so uh, delighted that the states have stepped up. They've seized their authority and they're making sure that all of the irregularities and and the, the potential for fraud and everything else that happened in the the irregular, unprecedented 2020 election cycle never happens again. Because, frankly, this country cannot afford for that to happen.
1: Yeah. What question this raises for me is why are they worried? Why are they concerned about states actually doing due diligence to make sure their election systems are working properly tells me they're trying to keep something hidden mike johnson always great to talk with you thanks so much for uh, for being with us today
4: thanks tony always a pleasure
1: all right congressman mike johnson of uh, louisiana represents the fourth congressional district that's up in the northwest corner of the state i look I encourage, I'm glad, we've had about 17 states that have passed election reform laws of various kinds. I think it's extremely important. I think it's, it is critical that we have confidence in our election system and I, and I applaud Arizona and uh, Pennsylvania's trying to do it. I don't know if they're gonna be able to get it done, uh, but other states that are taking a look at this as a result of what Arizona did and really kind of leading the way. And I would encourage you to uh, to stay on your elected officials in your states to make sure the systems are working as they should. All right. Don't go away. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin joins us next here on Washington Watch.
5: When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply Scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that Scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for His Kingdom, to grow us, and to bring us closer to Him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The Pro-Life Laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our Pro-Life Maps at frc.org slash pro maps
6: Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. So good to have you with us today. The Biden administration, like a totalitarian government, you know, Choose which one you want: China, Russia, elsewhere. They, they've been using the COVID to restrict the fundamental freedoms of Americans. I mean, I, look, I, I'm, about, I'm all about people being safe and healthy, and I think you'd be smart. If, and in fact, you know, if you're sick, stay home. If you uh, go out, you know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You need to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. But I mean, they're they are using this to really clamp down on on freedoms. And we know that big tech has yielded to the demands of tyrannical governments overseas. So when we hear remarks from the White House, like the one two weeks ago that I played at the start of the program, when White House Press Secretary Jin Psaki said that the White House would be flagging post with misinformation about any aspects of covid, that raises concerns. Because just days later, YouTube took down a clip from Washington Watch that included a discussion about COVID vaccines. Even though it, it had nothing to do with the medical aspects, it only dealt with the issue of parental consent. No, no conversation of medical information or advice whatsoever. Uh, we appealed. They denied it. But then when we went public with it, start talking about on this program, all of a sudden it was restored. The Question is, is there collusion? between the Biden administration and big tech to restrict restrict Americans First Amendment freedoms. Joining me now to talk about this, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Senator, welcome to the program.
0: Well, Tony, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I know you spearheaded a letter to the Biden administration raising concerns over this issue.
0: It should concern every American. We, we really are seeing big government combined with big tech to produce what is now big government or big Brother. Um, the amount of control that they will exert over our lives will simply increase. And, you know, what Tony is so tragic about this pandemic, uh, this isn't like the Spanish flu in 1918 where we didn't have technology. We we had this marvelous technology called the Internet where you have this free flow of exchange of information and ideas. Uh, But doctors that were actually treating patients, that had the compassion and courage to treat patients, they were censored on YouTube. Rather than allowing doctors to try different uh, theories of the case, you know, try different uh, uh, off-label medications and then broadcast that success, it, everything had to filter through government agencies that apparently are now the the, the voice of God, basically, you right. know, the, the, the font of all wisdom. And that just simply wasn't the case. I don't know how many thousand people needless, needlessly lost their lives because we didn't push and robustly research and explore early treatment. Instead, we suppressed it. We censored things like ivermectin that you know, I held a hearing in December with uh, Pierre Corey. Eight million people uh, watched his, his passionate opening statement until it was finally censored. And now, just uh, this week, The uh, Wall Street Journal has a couple of doctors questioning, why did the FDA denigrate a useful early treatment ivermectin? Uh, go figure.
1: Well, there's so many examples of that. Uh, We can we could point to the origins of the virus when uh, there was uh, questions raised about did this come from the lab in uh, the in the Wuhan lab? And that was shut down. That was called conspiracy theory. Couldn't talk about it. Well, now the evidence suggests it probably did come from that lab. And knowing that, knowing that they've gotten it wrong so many times, now the Biden administration is using its authority in its bully pulpit to link up with big tech to silence any dissenting voices. That is extremely
0: frightening. But it's also predictable. I've been saying for quite some time, you, initially we had the, the stockpile log jam, then we had the prescription log jam and early treatment. Now we have the log jam that they will never admit they were wrong. And we are up against big government. We're up against the mainstream media. We're up against big tech and the social media. They're the ones that suppress this. They will never admit they're wrong because if they do, what are the consequences of them admitting they were wrong? Right. They will have to admit that literally tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives because they didn't have access to the information. And quite honestly, they scared other doctors from even considering early treatment. Now, I, to this day, the NIH's guidelines in treating COVID are simply do nothing. Go home afraid, alone, isolated. And if you just get sick enough, if your oxygen levels drop to dangerous levels, then we will accept it the hospital and will try and save your life. I mean, I, that is bizarre. You know, a tenet of medicine is early detection, early treatment, better outcomes. And we have tossed that basic premise of medicine aside and I cannot explain why, Tony. Is, is it simply because these early treatments were cheap generic medicines costing about 20 bucks versus Remdesivir over 3,000? Was it because if you have an effective early treatment or any treatment, you won't get an emergency use authorization for the vaccine? And they've been singly focused on this vaccine. And, and, and now they're not providing the American people the data uh, backing up their other pronouncements, so there, their other guidances, you know, on mass. Uh, why don't we know? Like India India now knows, I just saw a study today, about 68% of the Indian population has antibodies for COVID. What, what is that level in the America? In America? We're, we're wealthy. We can do studies. We can estimate how close we are to herd immunity. That would be useful information for American people to have. But we don't have it.
1: Well, they're completely dismissive of natural immunity. Those that have had the virus, that's not even considered. You're still told to get the vaccine, and it's not necessary. In fact, medical experts say, it's, in some cases, it could be better than the vaccine itself.
0: I just, I just saw a study out of Israel that basically showed that that people with natural immunity are seven times less likely to get infected than others. Uh, no, and you know, natural immunity. By the way, I think those that was than vaccinated individuals, OK? So no, natural immunity, it just makes so much sense. Natural immunity recognizes the entire virus. Vaccinated immunity only recognizes that spike protein. If that spike protein changes, it's going to fool the vaccine. And quite honestly, that's what viruses do. Is they evolve, they're going to evade a, a vaccination that is that targeted, that limited. And they'll get more contagious. The good news, generally, if you uh, consider Mueller's ratchet, they should also get less lethal. Right. Because if a virus wants to replicate, it wants to become more contagious, but it doesn't want to kill its host. And So that's the natural evolution of viruses. And yet our FDA, our CDC just completely ignores that, uh, claims that they're basing things on science. I don't know what science they're looking at. But they don't share that with the American public.
1: Well, Senator Ron Johnson, I want to thank you for joining us. And I hope that uh, this video is not uh, censored because we had this candid discussion about uh, the virus. We'll see. I'll let you know if it is.
0: Don't hold your breath.
1: Yeah, good to talk with you. Thanks so much for being with us. Stay healthy. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch after this.
3: Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world, and we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family,
5: and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742 and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAN to 67742 and be the most informed person you know.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. But I think we ought to be able to have frank, candid discussions you know there was a time in this country where you could have differences of opinion and you could discuss, dialogue, you can have debate. And these were the kinds of things that we debated. We debated policies, you know, should you be wearing a, you know, a mask if you're vaccinated. You know, you have a right to question that. But now what we see is this is not liberalism. This is the left. I'm fine with liberals I don't agree with them, but I'm fine with them because they don't want to silence people. The classic modern liberal, liberal, you know, you can have a debate. They could try to support their ideas, their policies, but the left, because they're driven by this Marxist socialism, in many cases, what we see today, they can't defend it, not up against what we have. And so they don't want to be exposed. And so what do they do? They silence. That's what they do. They, they, they silence. In fact, I want to play a clip. I didn't get to play this in the, in the last um, segment. I wanted to because it, it, it uh, pertains to Senator Johnson. But this is Gavin Newsom. And uh, this, is, this, is a, this is right out of the, the Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky's book about marginalizing. Uh, let's play that clip of Gavin Newsom.
7: But we are exhausted. Respectfully, exhausted by the ideological prism that too many Americans are living under. We're exhausted by the Ron Johnsons and the Tucker Carlson's. We're exhausted by the Margie Taylor Greens. We're exhausted by the right wing echo chamber that has been perpetuating misinformation around the vaccine and its efficacy and safety. We're exhausted by the politicalization of this pandemic, and that includes mask wearing.
1: You know, why they're exhausted is because they can't defend their position and they they, they can't mentally come up with a logical reason to confront those who have a different view. And so what do they do? They have to silence. That's what's happening. That's why when they seek to silence, we have to stand up and speak civilly, respectfully, but vocally and loudly. All right, if, uh, if you're a longtime Washington Watch listener or even one that's heard a few episode, episodes more recently, you, you've noticed that we're covering a lot of news coming out of China as it, uh, th- the threats coming out of there pose uh, a, a significant threat to the entire world, and particularly in America in, in what they are doing. Now, I want to bring in Frank Gaffney. He is the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policies. Joining us by phone, uh, they have a new report out that covers what is happening in China with their Belt and Road program, which is going out all across America – I'm sorry, all across the the world, enticing other governments in – it's very subtle but very dangerous – and uh, I've asked Frank to join us to talk about it. Frank, so much thanks so much for joining us today,
7: Tony. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, just a small uh, correction for the record: uh, this is a product of another group that I work with called the Committee on the Present Danger, China, and uh, its Captive Nations Coalition. And it's a—it's uh, not so subtle what's going on. Unfortunately, if you just look at it or look for it. Unfortunately, most of us are so busy with other things that we've neglected. Uh, The the phenomenon, you know, Tony, has been often observed that uh, the frog in a pot of water that is cold and incrementally gets ratcheted up uh, boils just like one that doesn't uh, have that experience. But it's, it's just a lot slower and incremental. And that's what the Chinese have been doing with what really I think amounts to a colonial empire-building operation they call the Belt and Road Initiative. And this study, which is entitled uh, China's Dream, the World's Nightmare, how the the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, is colonizing and enslaving the planet, is really about how that pot of water has been incrementally turned up in now 140 of the roughly 195 countries around the world that have Chinese, um, not just influence operations, which is pretty much a global pandemic, as you know, but the actual uh, arrangements to build out infrastructure or to give the Chinese privileged access to natural resources or markets are um, and in many cases to do so under conditions that inevitably translate into essentially foreclosure when uh, so-called debt-trap financing uh, can't be sustained by the the, the countries in question. So it's a very uh, long-term, comprehensive Effort to dominate the planet, Tony, and I, I salute you and uh, this program for the attention that you're paying to the Chinese Communist Party. We all have to, and this is just another facet of what they're up to that is a mortal peril, I think, to the free world.
1: Um, Frank, you hear that music? It means we're up against a break, but I, I want to ask you uh, another question on this before we go. So, if, can you can you hold on through the break? And and, and I want to ask you one more question so. on the other side of the break. All right, Frank Gaffney uh, is going to stay with us. He is the uh, the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy. And also, we're going to be uh, joined by Congressman Louis Gomert as well, coming up uh, in just a moment. So, stick with us, folks. You're listening to Washington Watch, the website, tonyperkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and uh, check it out. Don't go anywhere. We're not. We're coming right back after this.
5: what is religious freedom and why should you care about it both domestically and internationally by definition religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs at family research council we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect tragically not all governments do Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom.
6: Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org.
8: Want honest and in depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to tonyperkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio the KTLW Radio Network or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com Again, that's TonyPerkins.com
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Frank Gaffney, my guest, founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy, talking about the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to achieve world domination by building an empire through massive debt trap, financed overseas investments and commercial transactions. It's been dubbed the Belt and Road Initiative initiative. And it's in about 140 of the world's countries. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for sticking around. As you explained, that this debt trap finance basically means if they don't pay for it, the Chinese government gets to take over part of the country's property, the infrastructure. This gives them access to uh, controlling those countries.
7: Is that right? It does, Sony, and that's the problem. Um, it's kind of like payday loans. Uh, Those are arrangements that uh, you can predict people are simply not going to be able to make payments on. And when that happens, um, in this case, the Chinese Communist Party can foreclose. And the really frightening prospect of much of that is when you look at them taking over uh, ports, or taking over airfields, or rail networks, or roadways, uh, or mines for critical materials and minerals, that can become power projection capability for the Chinese People's Liberation Army, which again, threatens not just the countries most immediately involved, but their neighbors, and perhaps us as well.
1: Uh, One final question for you. What is so troubling to me. I mean, that's troubling on its face in in, in reality. I mean, that's troubling. But in many cases, this is being financed from U.S. and other Western
7: capital markets. Yes, that's so true. And most of us, I suspect, even among your listeners, are unaware that their investment dollars, uh, perhaps their pension funds or funds they might have in index funds or uh, exchange-traded funds or mutual funds— because wall street has been so determined not everybody but a lot of the big houses have been determined to do business with china why because among other things they make a huge commission you may not make so much money but they make huge commissions doing business with china and in many cases tony as you know that translates into not only underwriting chinese communist party controlled companies but in some cases the People's Liberation Army's companies. In every case, it is empowering, it is enabling, and it is emboldening our most mortal enemy in our nation's history, the Chinese Communist Party.
1: It's unbelievable, but it's happening. Uh, Frank Gaffney, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Frank Gaffney with the Center for Security Policy. Uh, you can find out more on this. This is uh very, just, I just, I can't understand why the West is doing this. Many of these American corporations funding China, f- cheap labor, I, I get that, but they're, they're a part, you know, these are the same people, like we talked about yesterday, Coca-Cola, want to preach, you know, all their, their social justice here in the country, jump on the legislators in Georgia for election integrity laws that they're, they're passing, but then they'll be, they'll be they're silent, they're, when we look at the genocide that China's engaged in. And it's not just there. They're, they're going to create this empire by going out into these other countries, 140 in this uh, initiative. All right, check it out. Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, a group of House Republicans uh, is pressing U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland for a status report on those who were arrested for their involvement in the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Between 500 and 600 people have so far been arrested and charged with crimes related to the events of January the 6th, but it's unclear how many remain in jail after seven months. Now, a uh, a May 28th report in The Guardian claimed that at least 70 percent of the people charged in the Capitol breach have been released as they wait for trial, but we don't know. Multiple requests, even from members of Congress, for information have reportedly been ignored. And there have been reports claiming that some detainees may be suffering abuse at the hands of other prisoners or even guards. So why is the Department of Justice withholding information? Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Louis Gohmert. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee, where he plays a vital role on the Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security Subcommittee, as well as the Court's Intellectual Property and the Internet Subcommittee. He represents the 1st District of the Lone Star State. Louis, welcome back to the program.
2: Thanks, Tony, my friend. It's always good to be with you.
1: Good to see you. Now, I, uh, I watched your, the press conference that uh, you and a few of your colleagues attempted to do. You wanted to do it in the Department of Justice. They wouldn't give you space. And then you had the, uh, the hecklers out there, all those who were always preaching tolerance, wouldn't let you all speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the big thing here is you're trying to get answers, and you can't get them. What's going on?
2: Well, it's been a very frustrating week. Uh, And actually, we have been writing letters to the AG asking to talk to him. Now, by this time, when Jeff Sessions was uh, AG, I'd met with him, I think, four times. But this attorney general apparently is only about uh, seeking to please the Democrats. He has no interest in being fair and judicious as the Attorney General. It's really unfortunate. We've been begging for answers. Look, we just want answers. We're not looking into specific cases. We're just wanting to know, is it true about the abuse that's been going on? And the DOJ needs to tell us. It's part of our Judiciary Committee oversight to know, are they providing uh, evidence to the defendants so that they know, you know, whether to enter the plea agreement offered or whether um, there's evidence to support them completely being exonerated. Because the Supreme Court's made very clear, if you have any exonerating evidence, any exculpatory evidence, as a prosecutor, you have to make that available to the defendant. Well, Tony, there's fourteen thousand hours of videotape, and all of that videotape, with regard to the between five and six hundred, like you mentioned, uh, all of them would be able to know that. Gee, there's evidence to show they're not guilty of what they're charged with, and there may be evidence of something they're guilty of, but. You let them see it, and they have been nothing but crickets. they just no response, and it is really unfortunate. Now, we saw that with Senator Ted Stevens' case. Uh, they wouldn't give him back exculpatory evidence, and it wasn't until after he was convicted right before his election, which he narrowly lost, And then one of the FBI agents, fortunately, there was one that had a conscience, signed an affidavit explaining about how they had set Ted Stevens up. They had hidden the exonerating evidence. They had made up evidence to uh, convict him. And, of course, Mueller was the uh, FBI director at that time. And he rewarded the agent that, according to the affidavit, had falsified evidence to convict Ted Stevens. And they ran off the FBI agent with the conscience.
1: So, Lou, I, I should have mentioned uh, in the introduction, you are a former judge in Texas. So you know a little bit about this. Not only are you an attorney, but you've been a judge. So let me ask you, do we have any idea how many are currently being detained?
2: Well, in the D.C. jail, and, and actually, it's part of the federal prison system. And uh, we went down there to talk to somebody. We've sent a bunch of letters. Uh, we have been inquiring, how are these people being treated? How many do you have from January six? Because they have some people, as I understand it, that have been completely convicted, finally convicted of crimes, and they've been sentenced to prison, and they're in there. And it's very clear. The law is very clear. You cannot punish someone that's in pretrial confinement. And so we want to know. We're hearing stories about how these people are being abused. We want to know. And we couldn't get answers. So four of us went down there today and uh, we went in like the public can go in. I provided uh, our uh, Congressional ID cards show uh, we're members of the Congress. Here's IDs. Um, We have oversight over uh, the Bureau of Prisons, and we're here to get a tour. We want to see how people are treated. Now, Tony, as a state felony judge, I toured a lot of prisons, jails, halfway houses. I've toured... uh, uh, prisons and facilities like that since i've been in congress never have i been treated like i was today at any type of detention facility back in texas i'll still get invitations to come tour prison facilities state different ones but here they stonewalled us and a um, lady in uniform came out and said that we were trespassing and uh, that uh, we had to get out. And I said, we've shown our IDs, we're members of Congress, we're allowed to be here. We we have to do oversight to know whether we ought to cut off funding for this facility or keep keep funding it, we need to know. That's, and we haven't gotten an answer, so we thought we'd come see for ourselves. And I said, where in the world did you get the impression we were trespassing in a federal facility? I said, I'm on the Judiciary Committee. We have oversight. And she said, well, my supervisor said you were trespassing. And I said, well, let's get the supervisor here. Well, she's coming. And so uh, another lady in uniform came. She had three stripes, a sergeant. But she went straight outside. She's on the phone. And I said, well, so where's the supervisor? And one of the other people said, well, that was her that just went outside. So the four of us went outside to follow her to ask for answers. And while we went out there where she was, she doubled back around, went into the facility, and they locked the doors. I've never seen anything like this, Tony. It's unreal. That is incredible. Now you know, if, are there
1: any reports of those that are being held that are being denied bail?
2: Yeah, there, those are reports. And that's what, one of the things we wanted to find out about, uh, I do, I'd read before, like back in March, the 18 year old kid that was held. And then I think he got shipped to a, uh, jail in Oklahoma. They play games with these people, shipping them around, but, The federal prosecutor that's supposed to fight and defend the the Constitution, he argued to the federal judge, look, you should not let this guy out on, on bail. You know, even though he didn't hit anybody, he's homeschooled. So we know his parents are a big part of his problem. So you just can't send this young man home. And anyway, I was appalled by that argument. But then the judge followed that recommendation, kept him in jail, and they kept him in jail till he got COVID. And then after he got COVID and was extremely sick, they finally let him go home. It is incredible, the abuses that are going on now, Tony.
1: Well, we're almost out of time, uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert, but w- what are the next steps? H- how are we going to get answers?
2: Well, we're going to keep pushing. And if we keep pushing, and of course, there's their media sycophants, but there's other media. And and even Schumer and Durbin have asked uh, in recent uh, weeks, you know, are these people being treated fairly? So we're making headway by bringing attention to this. And we're just going to keep making noise until the, the demands get uh, more people involved, and they finally cannot ignore uh, the the requests we have. So we'll see what happens, but we're not giving up.
1: Well, keep us posted, uh, Louis, because we want to we want to know what is happening. Appreciate the fact that you are out there asking these questions and you know going to uh, the, the lengths that you are to try to get the answers. Just keep uh, keep doing it. We're with you.
2: Well, thanks so much, Tony. Thank you.
1: All right, Congressman Louis Gomert of uh, Texas, great guy. This is astounding. It it really is. A member of Congress going to, you know, any Department of Justice, the Bureau of Prisons, and saying, look, I'd like to have a tour. And they lock him out. That is incredible. It absolutely is. But this is the arrogance that we're seeing in this administration. And and then they wonder why we don't trust our government. They wonder why the, we don't believe anything they say. It's because of, the, because of the deception and the deceit with which they work. So what do you do? Well, first off, look, we need to keep all this in perspective. It is bad, but we know when we look at our responsibility as Christians, we have to to continue to speak for truth. We have to stand on the truth. We can't back up. We can't go silent. And we can't get angry. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let's let our requests be made known unto God. And I'll tell you what, this shows how elections have consequences. And I know, I fully agree that the election outcome was not as it should have been but we have to continue to work. We cannot give up. We cannot give up on this country. And it's going to be a tough, hard slog, but we've got to do it. We've got to pray. We've got to vote when we get the opportunity. And we've got to continue to stand for what we know to be the truth. All right, folks. So glad to have you with us today. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. Found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: at one 372 7234 That's one 372
7: 7234